pastors, he and Pam, pastor Crosswalk Church. They have three campuses, two in Williamsburg, one in Newport News. They started their church 21 years ago in their home with 10 people. Um, and then, of course, they went on to have 10 children as well. Uh, but not only that, now they have 16 because six of their kids are married. And, of course, they claim them as their children now. And he wanted you guys to know, this is a cool fact, that all of his children, except the youngest who's still in high school, they all went off to college, even the six that have married in, and then they all came back and they all work with them in ministry. And they're all serving the Lord. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So awesome family. They've been married 36 years. They're one year ahead of us. So we are very, without, and I told Matt he's not allowed to say with no more further ado or something it's some weird saying. He's Anyway, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, let's give a harvest warm welcome to Pastor Mark Morrow. Wow, I look down and everybody's standing. That's, that's, an, that's an honorable welcome. Thank you. Well, it is a joy to be here. It is a joy to be here. And I want you to know something. I was thrilled when Pastor Matt and Pastor Lori came to this church. We've had a relationship with Harvest a long time uh, because we're in the same network. And, uh, and when I found out Pastor Matt and Pastor Lori were coming, I just thought, I told Pam, I said, Pam, there's a church we want to we wanna have a partnership with. And uh, you're under great leadership here. I want you to know that. Can you just show your appreciation, Pastor Matt and Pastor Lori? I mean, as I was standing here in worship and looking at all that has happened here in the last couple of years, I mean, this is, this is a place of vision. Uh, things like this doesn't, just doesn't happen. And, and the worship was, uh, I tell you what, You've got something special going on at this church. I want you to know that. Not every church has that kind of worship we just got the chance to be a part of. That doesn't happen by accident. That's vision. And uh, I just, I'm just so appreciative of the vision of this house. You want to plunder hell and populate heaven, don't you? I love it. I love it. And on a Sunday night to see it full people pressing in, hungry to see the signs and wonders of God. Uh, the number of young people that were up here in the front, that, that speaks volumes. The young people are usually the first to check out if it's not real. But this is, this is real. And young people are thrilled to be a part. And uh, I, I just, there's no place I would rather be than right here, right now. <clears throat> I love this idea of knocking out the first couple of rows so that you can have room for people to be healed. Isn't this amazing? That's expectation. Jesus is probably sitting on the edge of his throne going, that's the church I want to be a part of because look at that. They're moving out the chairs so I can go down and touch them. Wow. I love it. I love it. You know, uh, has anybody heard that there's been a revival going on in the country? Have you heard that? You heard that? You heard that? Okay. But you know what? I, I, I'm just so thrilled about 
God's sovereignty. He just peels back the heavens every once in a while and says, you know, I'm going to go down and touch some people. And right now, there is this, this wave moving across our country. It started in one university in Kentucky, but it's just spreading. And, um, and, and I just believe this, this church doesn't want to be on the sidelines. Y'all want to be right on the field of it, don't you? You want to be in the middle of that revival, don't you? Yeah. I feel it. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Did you bring your copy of God's Word with you tonight? Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Is there faith in the house? Yeah? Okay. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And I want to speak to you tonight on a theme called the power, the power of conferred healing. The power of conferred healing. Mark chapter 16. Are you there? Mark chapter 16. Let's look at it together. Verse 15. Everybody got verse 15? Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus told his 11 disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Look at this next verse. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. How many believers do we have in the house? Can I see your hands? Did you know this passage is talking to you? Look at this. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. If you raise your hand, it's talking to you. Don't think it's somebody else. Don't think, well, that's just for Pastor Matt. It's not what the Bible says. God uses him in a mighty way, but... These are miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. Aren't you glad you go to a church that believes in that? Look at this, verse 18. They will be able to place their hands on the sick. Depending on how the mood is of God, He might heal, He may not. Is that what your Bible says? They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Is there any question? Jesus is talking. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking to them, He was taken up into heaven and sat down in His place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. God loves to confirm the power of His gospel by miraculous signs. And healing is a part of that. How many of you recognize that these were the very last words 
that Jesus said before he ascended. These are his parting shots. This is the most important thing on the agenda. The very last thing Jesus said before he went back to heaven was they will place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Do you believe here at Awakening Night Jesus' last words could be fulfilled here. You believe that? All right. Oh, I love the faith in this house. You guys have cultivated such a great culture here. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, just before you ascended back to heaven, you made some promises to your devoted followers. Well, we got a lot of devoted followers here tonight, Jesus. And we have the faith to believe that you still fulfill your promises. So we humbly ask that you manifest the same power that you demonstrated in the first century here in the 21st century. Here, now, Coastal Virginia, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like you could crawl under a rock and hide? I mean... <laughs> You're, you're, you're in this situation, and, and, and it's so embarrassing. You're trying to figure out a way out. It's, it's your most embarrassing moment of your life. Have you ever been in one of those kind of situations? You probably remember exactly where you were and what you were doing. That happened to me. We, uh, our, our church is very similar to your church. It's a multicultural church, and... And uh, I tell you, it's just a slice of heaven being here at Harvest. It's a slice of heaven. How many of you come from a Hispanic descent? Can I just, can you just give me a shout back? Oh, don't wave your hand. I wave my hand. Just get, let me hear from you. Come on, Hispanics are not shy. Any Hispanics in the room here? Okay, okay. All right. How many people are here from an African descent? Can I hear from you? All right. I see some hands, but do I hear some voices? Okay, okay. How, um, how about how about some folks from the from the south uh, from the, the the South Islands, uh, South Pacific Islands? Anybody here from the South Pacific Islands? Okay. Oh, now we got some noise. All right. Well, we have a we have a church very similar to this, and and um, and there's a couple in our church that that helped us start our church 21 years ago, and they're still with us today. We we're with them at church this morning. And, uh, and, and they're from the South Pacific Islands. Uh, he's from Samoa or Fiji, and she's from one of the islands off of, off of the Philippines. And, and uh, somehow they met in Hawaii and spent a number of years in Hawaii. And, um, and, and then they, 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 wound up, they wound up here in coastal Virginia. They're at our church. And, uh, and they had this party one time. And they invited us to the party, but it, they, they told us it's going to be a, a Polynesian party. It's going to, and, and, and so we were so excited because I love Polynesian food. 
I love, I, you know, and, and, um, and we got there. I love these Polynesian people. I love the, the people from the South Pacific. And, and there's probably, there's over 50 people at this party. And uh, we're having a great time. They weren't, it wasn't at the house. It was too big for a house. It was at, a, at one of these neighborhood um, um, uh, clubhouses. And so we were there. We show up. And sure enough, they got all the food going. I love South Pacific food. Okay. You guys know how to cook. And so uh, we're there, and we're enjoying the food, and, and, and they got a band. They got this, this uh, Polynesian band going, and it's just so much fun. We are having a time of our life, okay? Everything's going good so far, right? We're having fun. Uh, there's music going. There's food. There's all these people, and they're all Polynesian. They're all, I just love them. And, uh, and, 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 so, and then, then the band called out this lady to come forth, a hula dancer. And, and, and she's, a, she's really thin. She's about 20 years old. And, and, uh, and, and she comes out, and she's, she's in a bikini with a grass skirt. And she starts this hula dance, and she's got moves that I think God didn't even think about. And, and, and I was having a great time until that happened, and I had to look away because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, got one, one, I got eyes for one woman. And, um, and so I'm looking away. Everything's going good. Everything's going really good. And they, they call it vamping, where they, where they kind of dance, or, or, you know, towards somebody. And she started vamping toward me. Of all people in the room. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm mortified. This girl comes over and she's dancing right in front of me. I won't model for you what she did. I couldn't do it anyway. And, and, and she, she comes and she's dancing in front of me and she takes out one of these. It's called a lay. And, and, and she dances over toward me and she's doing all these gyro moves and, and she puts this and 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 dancing and and meanwhile everybody in the room is cheering they're going crazy they're and I, and I think they're laughing at me because they know how embarrassed I am and 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 they this lady puts this on me and and I'm just mortified and I so I asked the host I said what was that all about and they said oh in our culture when they come over and put they're, they're conferring upon you. They recognize, they recognize who you are as the person of honor in the room. And they come over and they're conferring their honor and respect on you. When they put that lay on you, they're saying, you're the one that we honor and respect here. They all knew that I was the lead pastor of the church that this precious couple attends. And so in their mind, I had the highest status in the room at that particular party. And this lady was doing what their culture, not my culture, I'd never seen it before. What their culture said. We're going to bestow honor on the person that's got the highest status in the room. We're going to bestow respect. We're going to confer respect and honor on this person. I just wish it would have been somebody else, another designated person to do it. But anyway, it was the lady that got the short straw. 
I want to I want to just highlight that for a moment. That moment that they were putting that lay on my neck. I thought it was an embarrassing moment, but it it was meant to be a conferring of honor. There was that symbol. It's not in my culture, it's in their culture, but we have those same kind of we have those same kind of symbols in our culture. We don't use lays, but 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 for those that have an advanced degree at, from a university, what what are they, they they put a stole on you, right? All right, that that's a conferring. In fact, we use that term, conferring a degree. Uh, they confer that upon that person uh, an advanced degree uh, in nursing school. They they confer that that moment that they're doing the pinning on the lapel, right? Any nurses in the room remember that? When they conferred their honor upon you after all your studies. Uh, if you were in law enforcement, they confer upon you that authority when they give you the badge. Yeah, so we know. What we, we're used to conferring. We understand that. When you transfer uh, authority or status or, or privilege or rank or, or title, when you transfer that from one body to a, an individual, and it's called conferring, okay? And um, the word confer, let me just tell you what that word is. The word confer is, is uh, when, you, when, you, uh, when a title or status or privilege or rank or, or, uh, is bestowed upon someone else. It's that visible sign of what's happening. Are you with me? Okay. Now, that's the word that we use in English. But in Hebrew, they have a different word. How many know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew? Okay. And in Hebrew, they have a different word. It's called smakai. Smakai. All right? Smakai. And, and this word smakai is the same word as the word confer. The word literally means to lay on hands. To lay on hands. When a Jewish person conferred status upon someone else, they would lay hands upon them. That's the cultural nuance. In Hawaii, they lay, put a lay on the shoulders. In Hebrew, they put hands on the head of another person. Same concept, just two different cultures. Same concept, two different expressions, same idea. And so, let me just tell you that when that happens, just as we recognize when a policeman gets the badge, we recognize that. God recognizes when someone confers upon someone else by the laying on of hands. God recognizes it. God honors it. It is an outward physical act that always conveys an inward spiritual significance. Something unseen, yet very tangible, transfers from one individual to another individual. 
And when you go through the Old Testament, there are three different types of conferral. I just want to share with you the examples so that your faith can be built tonight because tonight is a night of awakening. Tonight is a night where Jesus wants to heal people. All right? Three different kinds of conferral. If you're taking notes, I've got them here on the screen for you. The first conferral is a conferral of sin. Conferral of sin. In Leviticus chapter 16, God himself gives very specific instructions. Follow this verse. Follow this passage. God told Aaron, Aaron, I want you to find a goat. And, and the people are full of sin. I don't want to judge them for their sin, but sin's got to be judged. And so here's what God says. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want the priest to do. I want you to bring this innocent goat, and I want you, as a representative of all the sinful people, to lay your hands upon the head of the goat. And when you take your human hands and lay it on the innocent goat, what does the word say? That it's going to be a transfer. Do you see the word transfer in the Bible? These are God's words. This is not Hebrew words. These are not Jewish words. These are God's words. When you take your hands and you take your guilt and you, you put it on the goat, it's going to be transferred. All of your guilt is going to be transferred to the goat. And then I want you to send that goat out into the wilderness because that's going to be a picture of all of your sin being taken out of the camp so that the People can be innocent again in my eyes. It's interesting, you know, Jesus fulfilled this. Jesus always fulfilled the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled this in, uh, in Matthew 27, 28 to, to 30. Jesus became the goat, the scapegoat. That's what they call it, a scapegoat. Jesus became that scapegoat for us. Because those dirty, grimy Roman hands of the soldiers put their hands on the innocent goat, the greatest of all time, Jesus. And transferred all the guilt of the human race. They put, they put a dirty vomit-ridden robe on him. They, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They gave him a, a, a stick and called it a scepter. And, and they bowed and mocked him. And they, they beat him. They punched him. They, they, they did all kinds of stuff, just abusing him. And in all that process, the guilt of humanity was being transferred to innocent Jesus. And he took our sin to the cross. And when he died, that was like a goat going into the wilderness. We don't know where the goat went, but the goat's gone. Jesus was gone. Took all of our sin with him. But there was a transfer of humanity's guilt upon innocent Jesus. So the first conferral that we see in the Old Testament is the conferral of sin. Where, where God said, take your hands and transfer it to the goat. There's a second conferral in Scripture. The second conferral is a conferral of anointing. 
a conferral of anointing. In, uh, in Numbers chapter 27, who's talking again? The Lord said. So this is God's idea, right? This is not man's idea. This is God's idea again. God's, we're playing by God's rules. God says, I want you, Moses, to take your hands and place them on the head of Joshua. And when you take your anointing of leadership and you put your hands on Joshua, what does the word say up there? It will transfer. Your anointing for leadership is going to transfer to Joshua. Are you with me? You see that? And so there's a conferral of leadership anointing from one individual, from one generation to the next generation, from one individual to the next individual. And when Moses put his hand on Joshua, it was as real as that hula dancer putting the lay on my neck. There was a conferral, a transfer of what Moses had, now Joshua's got it. Whose idea was it? God's idea. Well, Jesus also fulfilled that. I love talking about how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. It's all about Jesus. Jesus fulfilled that. When Jesus came out in public and declared that he was going to lead a ministry, first thing he did was he went down to the Jordan River and got water baptized. As soon as he came up out of the water, what happened? God descended upon Jesus. Doesn't say a dove in the form of a dove, like, like a dove would descend, but God descended upon Jesus, and he spoke. And said, this is my son. Come on up here for a second, Anderson. This is my son here. Come on up here. Just, just picture this, okay? So Anderson's standing here. He's just come up out of the water. Just imagine God the Father coming over to his son, resting down upon him like a dove did, putting his hand upon his son's shoulder and say, boy. This is my son, and I'm very pleased with him. Listen to him because I'm deputizing him. He's going to lead. That's what the father did that day when Jesus came up out of the water and started into a public ministry. Thank you, son. A transfer. Transfer. A conferral. Oh, there's a third conferral, though. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? We're, we're about to end here. There's a third conferral. That is just as real as the first two. And it's God's idea. And that is a conferral of healing. A conferral of healing. It's in Mark chapter 16. We already read it once. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will be able to what? Place their hands upon the sick. And the sick will be healed. Here's the idea. You take a well person, and they're in front of a sick person, and the well person lays their hands upon the sick person, and the wellness transfers to the sickness. 
And the sickness goes, and the person who is sick is now well. It's a conferral. It's God's idea. Who was speaking there in Mark chapter 16? Jesus. It's God's idea. I didn't think about it. It's God's idea. It's hands being laid upon and transferring whatever this person has to what this person needs. So Jesus gave us that idea. And, and then we have the book of Acts that shows us how they operated in that idea as examples so that we know how to practice it here in 2023 in Chesapeake. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Paul is on a missionary journey. He's got a delegation of guys with him. And they land on this island. And, and, and they land, where they land is near the, the, um, the chief official of the island. His name is Publius. And the, 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 the account tells us that Publius' father is deathly ill. And, and so Paul is aware now, made aware of, of the fever and dysentery that Publius' father has. Paul went in to pray for him. And what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Paul laid his hands upon Publius' father. We don't know if Publius is a Christian. We don't know if the father's a Christian. That doesn't matter. We know that one person is well and one person is sick. And the well person has something that the sick person needs. The well person goes and confers wellness upon the sickness. And God in heaven is saying, I see what's going on. I'm obligated to act. I've already promised. I'm going to do it. And it doesn't matter if Publius' father is a believer or not. Paul's the believer. And lays his hands on Publius' father and the father is healed. Now, the reason why Jesus wants this is because it confirms the power of the gospel. Jesus says, hey, if I can heal people physically, then that's proof that I can heal them spiritually. Because that's the real deal. Jesus wants us healed spiritually so we have eternity with him. And so Jesus, because the spiritual healing is unseen, Jesus says, I'm going to heal physically so that I can prove to you the greater reality. And so what happens in the next verse? The word gets out, Publius' father is healed. And so all the sick come. And what does the Bible say there? All the sick came and all the sick got healed. Doesn't say, well, some left and didn't get their healing that night. They better come back and have a little more faith. Doesn't say that. All the people who were sick came and got healed. Doesn't say if they were believers. That point didn't matter. Doesn't say if they deserved it or not. What matters is you got some believers that believe what Jesus promised. Period. And they conferred their wellness upon the sickness and the sickness got well. Paul had 
what they needed. And we see the healing take place. And God, Jesus got all the glory. They showered him with honors. People went home and got everything they needed for the supply journey all the way back home. I want to tell you something, friends. It is God's will that people get healed. It is God's will. It is God's will that he uses healing to confirm that the gospel is true. All God wants us to do is to exercise faith and just obey him. He wants well people to confer wellness upon sickness. So that the sickness becomes well. And the word gets out. And the kingdom grows. I want to tell you something, church. You don't have enough seats in this room to accommodate the people once the word gets out that Jesus is healing at Harvest Church. Because people need that. They're desperate for it. They're not looking for a country club that's going through their own motions. They're looking for people that tap into a real Jesus that meets real needs. And this church believes that. Do you believe what Jesus said in Mark 16? Do you? Do you? Is there faith in this room? Do you believe these promises are for here and for now? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves to use the power of healing to confirm the power of His gospel? It's not just about you getting healed. It's about you getting healed and the Word getting out and His kingdom growing. He wants to plunder hell and populate heaven in coastal Virginia. And He wants to use this church to do that. Boy, if he'd come on back, brother. Help me land. There's a reason your pastors planned this awakening service. There's a sense of expectation in the room. There's a reason this room is full. There's a reason there's a sense of hope and, and expectancy. There's a reason why your pastors invited Pam and me here. To be a part of this night, there's a reason. A few years ago, I got an invitation to go and speak at a leadership conference in Bulgaria. It's a former communist country over in Eastern Europe. And so I was over there. It was a leadership conference. It was supposed to be just leadership. It was all leadership theory and all that stuff. Helping people do better in their businesses and their those who had ministries, their ministries, their nonprofits. It was a leadership conference. I decided I want to take Pam with me. And so the two of us went together. She wasn't speaking. Uh, we were there and uh, doing, you know, just in my wheelhouse. Wasn't expecting anything. And some people heard that we, that we have a lot of kids. And, uh, 
you know, making the kids was really, really easy. Now, Pam will tell you, having them was hard. But making them was fun. Just telling you. Those single in the room, just hang on. It's a lot of fun. It was really easy. And uh, people say, why would you have so many kids? Because we were having so much fun, we didn't want to stop. Okay? It was easy for us. And they just kept coming. and kept coming. Kept coming. And I got four here tonight, and this is not even half of them, okay? This is just a fourth of them. And so the word got out, Mark and Pam got a lot of kids. It always gets out. And we started having couples come to us saying, hey, would you pray for us? We, we've been trying to have children for a long time, and we just can't get pregnant. And so we're at this leadership conference, okay? There's not any worship. There's no altar calls. We're at a leadership conference, and Pam and I start praying for people to have children. And we, we laid our hands on the heads of husbands and wives when they came up praying together. True story. We were conferring what we had upon some people that wanted what we had but couldn't have it. And I want to tell you something, God, remember it's God's idea. It's God's idea. It's not our idea. We're just obeying what God told us to do. God says, hey, when I see believers, Mark chapter 16, when I see believers lay their hands upon people that have a need, I am going to act. Because I'm obligated to that. He obligates himself, not to us. And so we laid our hands upon these couples. Pam and I got on the plane, came back home. Actually, we forgot about that part. I was invited to go back a year later to, to this same conference and, and speak again. And uh, this time Pam didn't come. But guess what? These couples showed up at this conference. And there's, there's babies crying in the room. They won't take them to the nursery because they couldn't wait to go and show their miracle to the speaker. And we had these couples come forward with their babies. They came, we went home. And they, they got pregnant and they had their babies. And a year later, their babies were there crying in the room. And I welcomed the crying, okay? If you got a baby here, don't take them out. Let them be in here and see the miracles, okay? It, it just works. It's, it's God's idea. He didn't tell us to do something and sit up in heaven and go, it's just a joke, but I won't tell them. No, when God said, do this, he means do it so that he can do what he does. Are you with me? Do we have some faith in the room? We ready for this? I know firsthand. I know firsthand what I'm talking about. It's one thing to tell you a story about Bulgaria, but you see, not too long ago, not too long ago, I, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, like I did five times a week. Went out to work at a, out at a gym. 
Any Orange Theory people here? Any Orange Theory people here? My kids, but anybody else? Okay, do you have Orange Theory here? Okay, all right. So I'm in the five o'clock class. And um, they're working out like I did for a couple of years. And this particular morning, this particular morning, it was a, they tell me it was a morning where we were running the mile and had to set a record and you kind of compete against yourself. How did you do three months ago when you ran the mile? Are you improving? So I'm there, I'm competitive. I, I want to beat myself, and which is a sick idea. <clears throat> And they tell me that after I finished the mile, I dismounted off of the treadmill and I collapsed. Another member of the gym happens to be a dentist. So he's, he's a doctor. He's got medical uh, proficiency. And he determined that I had a cardiac arrest. It's a difference between a cardiac arrest and a heart attack. A, cardi- a heart attack is you got, your heart's got some problems. Cardiac arrest is... Your heart stops. Well, immediately, he, they called 911. They also retrieved these AED defibrillators off the wall. And they come over and they shocked me three times while I laid there on the floor. No pulse. Called 911. The, he's straddling me. He's doing CPR. He's a big guy doing CPR and just until the paramedics can get there. The paramedics arrive and they start all their intervention methods and they take me off to the hospital. I get to the hospital and I keep coding. Keeps just the line goes flat. They end up shocking me six times total. They care flighted me in a helicopter to a larger hospital that's got a cardiac unit to Newport News, Riverside. They got some heart specialists there and they immediately went up on arrival. They performed emergency surgery. I was in a coma for six days, intubated. The doctor warned my wife and my children that I might not ever wake up. And if I did wake up, most likely I would have brain damage. I don't know if there's any paramedics in the room, but you know, paramedics have to, they're accountable. They have to report what they did. And so the paramedics have a detailed log of all the intervention methods they tried. We injected them with this. We pounded them with that. We shocked them with this. We did this and that. And I have... At home, I have the record of the paramedics. It's about three pages of all these different intervention methods that they tried. And out beside each one, non-responsive, 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 non-responsive. Do you know what non-responsive means? For 33 minutes, I was non-responsive. They tell us that the human brain cannot last longer than eight minutes without oxygen. So the cardiologist, knowing this, told my wife, expect the worst. He may not wake up, but if he does, he's going to have brain damage because I see the report here. He went 33 minutes without oxygen. 
there's no way he's going to be normal when he gets if he does come back My wife believes in Mark 16. <laughs> My wife believes in Jesus. <laughs> See, Pastor Matt and Pastor Lori had me come up and speak, but it's not my story. I was just a prop. I was out and oblivious. I wasn't praying. I didn't have faith. I don't even remember the incident. I don't remember two weeks after the incident because it messes up your brain. Pam hovered over my bed for six days and laid hands on me and prayed. We have a picture. That's me, lifeless. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed. She sang over me. She worshiped over me. She read scripture to me. Six days. My children had prayer meetings each night. My apostolic overseer came down from Washington and he came into the room and laid hands on me. This was during COVID. He had to sneak in because they weren't allowed in, but they, he snuck in and laid hands on me and prayed over me. My church called prayer vigils at the hospital. They gathered outside the hospital and worshiped and prayed and believed God for a miracle, stretching their hands toward my room. Our missionary partners all around the world prayed. And I want you to know something. God heard those prayers. God heard those prayers. And God remembered His promise. God says, I'm obligated. I've already gone out on a limb and I've already promised. I've told them if they lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover. I better deliver. Because it's not about impressing Mark Morrow. It's about expanding my kingdom. It's about the TV crew coming in there and filming the story and then airing it across the country. I want people to know that I heal. It's not about me. I'm just a prop. God heard those prayers, restored me. The work that He has for me to do was not finished. Doctors said I would have brain damage. You might think that's probably true, but I came home from the hospital and yeah, I, I, I had some damage. I had to learn how to tie my shoes again. I had to learn how to type on the computer again. I had to learn my grandkids' names again. I had to, I had to learn where to go in my town because I couldn't remember where, where to drive to. I had, I, I had some recovery, but do you know what? Pam said, you know what? We need to prove to the world how much God heals. It was Pam's idea. I already had a master's degree. She said, why don't you go and get your doctorate? Did you know yesterday I turned in my last assignment for my doctoral degree? If you had me last month, I wouldn't have been able to say that. 
we serve a God who loves to heal. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on back up if you would. And uh, we're just going to have a conferral ceremony. Is that okay? All right. Hey, they do it at the universities. Let's do it here at church. We're going to have a conferral ceremony. We've got a prayer team here that's just amazing. I already met with them. We prayed together. They're anointed with this. And I'd like to just have everybody stand, if you would. And I'd like to invite the, the prayer team, if you'd come on up. We've got the worship team. We've got the tech team. We've got the, the production team. We've got the prayer team. We've got the children's team in the other room. We've got all kinds of teams. This is an awesome church. And they're all very good at what they do. That worship team was some of the best I've heard. But I want to tell you something. This prayer team is some of the best I've seen too. And I asked them before church. I said, how many believers do we have? And they, they all raised their hand. So they're all ready with Matthew, Mark 16. Jesus said, if believers lay their hands on the sick, they're going to tr- confer their wellness upon the sickness and watch the sickness get well. All right? This is Jesus' 